Well, good evening. Um, welcome to another exciting episode of Mystic Misfits. My name is Ryan Evans, and I'm here with my colleague, uh, Chaplain Deanna Barker. And we are also here with a very special um, guest. His name is Raphael McDonald. And um, he is someone that lives in the area, lives in Fort Worth, and uh, works for a nonprofit organization called the Resource Center of Dallas. And um, he will be joining us in just a moment. But uh, before we uh, bring Raphael on, kind of just wanted to uh, uh, see how everything was going. How was Halloween? And uh, so what is it, November 6th? Yeah. How are you doing, Deanna? That's the wrong question to ask. <laughs> Everyone tonight, my bumper fell off my car, so... I'm so sorry. I'm she, traumatized. And she had to, like, what freeway were you on? 121 South. Oh, my God. So you were able to get it. Like, was it in, what lane was it in? It was in, I was in the main lane. I oh was my in the God. center lane. So you had to like pull over somewhere? And like then... two lanes to the right to get to the emergency area. Oh my God. Did people stop and try to help or were they going to like kill you? Heck no. You know, <laughs> the selfish people today. <laughs> uh, Raphael, feel free to jump in. That's a bad highway. I mean, that's a bad highway to begin with. Although, be glad you weren't on 30 because 30 was a parking lot coming over. Even at late evening so that might have been a little better though if it was like bumper to bumper traffic I can only imagine what you had to go through to like get into the lane to get anyway, the bumper we're just going to thank God I had full coverage insurance so yes praise God <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> deductibles deductibles are a lovely thing yes um, well other than that I mean did you have a good Halloween did everybody have a good Halloween yeah yeah yeah. Nice. I had an okay Halloween. I don't remember much of it, though. Yeah? I didn't do anything Halloween night. I don't think we did much Halloween night either. I mean, we were open, of course. and um, But that weekend, we did a lot of stuff. It was a good weekend, for sure. And of course, Block Party in Dallas was going on. That was a madhouse. Did you, did you dress up for that? No, no, no. No, um, Caleb and I went... Uh, and attended black tie right so uh, and after that was over then we uh, took off our tuxedos and got into some regular clothes and went over there it was a madhouse we couldn't stay right um, down there on Cedar Springs so we were only there for maybe like 30 to 45 minutes but it took forever for us to get a ride a lift back mm. and then we were hungry again and had to go get food <laughs> and that took another 20 or 30 minutes so by the time we, got we back, dressed up uh, we, we had, I did not go to Black Tie. Um, my boyfriend is uh, kind of the mastermind in terms of what we're going to wear, and there's some things I've just learned after nine years. Just let him go do, mm-hmm. and so that would be that would be that. So he decided that we were going to be Fred and Shaggy of a Scooby Doo. He was Fred, I was Shaggy, and so he got the costumes, uh, got the hair pieces. Uh, the, the dilemma we ran into, and this is one of those, you know, you never think of until you realize it kind of thing. We couldn't find a stuffed Scooby-Doo. Because we figured we would have, you know, Scooby-Doo just kind of carry Scooby-Doo with us. Couldn't find a stuffed Scooby-Doo? Could not find a wow. stuffed Scooby-Doo that would arrive in time for the block party. You could find them on Amazon and Target mm-hmm. and Walmart and so forth, but it wouldn't get here until, like, you know, the first week of November. And like, well, that's kind of not helpful. Wow. So, um I, the brain idea I came up with is I would make a sign. I'm going to say, have you seen this dog? <laughs> and so that would be kind of, you know, that becomes the mystery because then you have the two of us and the mystery is we're trying to find our dog. Right. So to find kind of you figure that out. And okay, that was cool. That exactly. was cute. So we, we ended I up, I ended cute. up having to make a, make a sign. Um, couldn't get it printed at the office supply stores that I went to in time. So I just put it on a big piece of paper and we taped it to our bucket of stuff. And he found like... They actually sell something called Scooby Snacks that they're like little cinnamon uh, graham cracker things in the shape of a dog biscuit. Wow. Did not know this. Uh, but he found them at some place, and so we were handing them out to people that we thought were, you know, had great costumes or were cute. That was essentially our, <laughs> our, our MO for the evening. We ended up leaving about 10.30 and from, from the block party. From the so block we, got party. The, we got there, I think, probably about 
eight or so. And, Wait, so uh, at that time, you were still able to get into the bars, right? Yeah, because we could not get into. The I think bars. we. I think we only. We only went into one. We only went into one of the bars, and just to see some friends of ours that were were there, and then we uh, we we went and. What did we do? I think we probably went and got some food or something, and uh, I think we were still in our costumes at that point, which was still kind of you know ridiculous, kind of walking into IHOP or something dressed as Scooby-Doo characters. Um, for anybody that might be listening to the podcast and um, is out of the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex in a different city or a different state, um, the block party is a, a combination of uh, the different gay bars on Cedar Springs in Dallas. They all get together and host a major Halloween bash outside, and of course inside. So they have food food vendors, and uh, they set up their like uh, drink vendors and stuff like that. And it's not very long; it's basically about three blocks, give or take. Oh God, yeah. But usually, thousands of people attend, and in all kinds of costumes, and some people are hardly wearing anything. So, yeah, it's just, it's a huge thing. So by the end of the night, it's usually Madhouse, and you can't even get into the bars anymore. But um, I've definitely had fun in the past. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've, we've had, like I said, we've come up with some some great costumes. I remember a few years ago, uh, he came dressed as a roll of Donald Trump paper towels, and I was a North Korean missile. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh that was really creative. I, that was very creative, yeah. He, he 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 got the paper towels right, but to get the like the point of the missile head, I ended up having to go to one of the dollar stores, and I got a um, oil funnel mm-hmm. you know, the, the, with a long with a long point on the it. Long point, yeah. And we, we spray painted it white, and like you know, strapped it to my head, so I had like a pointy thing coming off the top of my head, and you know, then did the, the missile body is like a like some uh, poster board wrapped around me, and he had to find you know. I guess he took found a picture of a North Korean missile, and yes, I have no idea what it actually said if it was actually, you know, Korean or not. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it sort of looked like it. At least that was our best attempt at it. But no, that sounds like it would have been an awesome costume. It was. It was, a, it was yeah. one of the more, It was one of the crazier ones we did. And then we deck. We had decorated the the house, so we actually did give out candy on Halloween. Uh, he ended up doing a, kind of. Our theme was kind of based on the series True Blood, so it was kind of a okay. Southern Gothic yeah. vampire thing and. So he he kind of took he, he kind of went a little further than that. He ended up going to some of the the zombie figures from the uh, James Bond Live and Let Die. So he was kind of that skeleton man from that. And I'm still wearing Sounds my shaggy. Cool. I'm still wearing my shaggy outfit because I you know, didn't couldn't come up with anything else. And yeah. we handed out candy. And he had like a fake dock built on the front of our house. It was something actually a, a wooden structure. that was originally something my dad had built for something else that I had in my uh, garage. It was almost like scrap lumber, and he was able to use that and some old uh, fence planks and turn it into a rickety dock. And no, I haven't seen your and house and stuff, but do you guys go all out for Halloween? Oh, we go all out for Halloween and for Christmas. And like for I said, Christmas I just I, I leave him to that. He just he comes up with the theme, and the cool thing is that he I should mention he is a, he's in education. He, he spent a lot of his career in elementary mm-hmm. education as well as middle school. Can come up with the, the the most amazing stuff, just using simple materials. I remember one year he had done uh, kind of like a candy land for our house, mm-hmm. and we ended up making these. Uh, they were like very large wrapped candy pieces. They were actually uh, Chinese Asian lanterns wrapped in cellophane and then used some uh, like twist tie material mm-hmm. so that it looked like it was a very large, like a like a bubble gum mm-hmm. piece or a gumdrop or something like that. And he made, um, they were like hot chocolate that mm-hmm. were like pale, like tall, tall garbage pails and then... Uh, uh, cotton on the top, and mm-hmm. like a there was like a piping, like a like a white like a white pipe, PVC pipe that he wrapped some uh, uh, red, uh, uh, I guess it was a like a duct tape or something like mm-hmm. that. So it looked like a candy cane a straw coming out of the uh, the hot chocolate. So I mean, it was these really kind of just creative Very stuff. Creative that's ideas, you know, yeah. it's like it cost like five bucks or something right, like that yeah. to, to come up with that. But it just really good, Do and then just use lights and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, and it's it's it's, it's really kind of amazing. I'm sorry, I just don't get into the holidays that much anymore, like Halloween. I, I wish I could, but I'm tired. <laughs> I outsource it to him. I just say, you, you want, honey, whatever you want. Whatever you want to do. What do you yeah. want to do? You know, uh, do I, how, much, how, much do you, how much do you need to kick in on this? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. D- didn't you go to a uh, block party, too? You told me you were going. I did. Yeah. 
I did for a while that night, and then I had to get out of there. Crowds. Oh, the crowd I know. Yeah, that's there. why we left. Yeah. We were hungry, and it was like this is just not. Yeah, and all the lines for everything, including mm-hmm. the food bumping into right. everyone. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Well, I mean, until next year, but it definitely was. It was fun. Um, good time of the year. You know. But I tell you, I tell you, it's the one time that I got to use my VIP pass to get into S four. Oh, that's right. Yeah. To, so I didn't have to wait in the line. You didn't have to wait in line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. And those, that line was crazy too. I was like, but that's it, typical. So um, this episode is uh, kind of just open topic again. Uh, it's really for us just to kind of uh, talk about Raphael and his experiences and what he does. And just kind of go from there. Um, Raphael, will you go ahead and just introduce yourself and okay. um, a little bit more? Raphael McDonald, uh, he, him pronouns. I work for a resource center, which is the LGBTQIA community center that serves the greater North Texas area, as we say. Um, prior to uh, my, my title, if you look at my business card, actually, I need new business cards. So that's another story. Senior <laughs> Advocacy Policy and Communications Manager, which almost takes up two lines on a card. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been at the Resource Center now, well, as of this month, as of the end of um, November, 15 and a half years, which is the longest I have done anything except go to school. And that, that that's coming up to the point of that I've almost gone to school. I've almost gone there, been there longer than I have ever gone to school, so. That's, uh, that's no, you, you've of, been working at the research center for a while. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, it's been it's been a it's been interesting. It's like my third or fourth third or fourth career choice down the road. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I started off. Uh, I said I went, I'm, I'm from Fort Worth. I went to school at a Trinity Valley, which is actually not too far from the business mm-hmm. here. But originally, when I went there, it was over on McCart Street. Uh, attended TCU for my undergrad, UNT for my graduate degree. And then I started working in broadcasting. I worked mm-hmm. in radio for, um, well, six years full-time and two years part-time. Okay. And that was uh, three different stops. My first job was working overnights in Oklahoma City, which mm-hmm. uh, was interesting. I mean, it really, I, it, the, the station that I worked for was a really good station. And I learned a great deal. You learned, you, it was much smaller and you learned how to how to get creative and think on your feet and you're handling every single newscast from six in the morning, from six at night until four thirty in the morning. Wow! And so, you know, some of those you ended up having to record because you're also doing the prep work for the the morning show. You're writing mm-hmm. tons and tons of stories, so that's it was very interesting. And then I moved from there to work at KRLD here in Dallas. I was hired to do the morning news, and then I got moved to the afternoon, which is where I spent most of my career, and uh, ended up working my way up to assistant news director. And unfortunately, that full-time job ended uh, badly because they, uh, they, we had several news directors towards the end of my career there. And the last one I had was a very fundamentalist uh, Christian. He came here actually from uh, KCBI, which mm-hmm. is a, a um, Christian FM station. And within two weeks, he fired me. Do you think it was because you were gay? Absolutely. 100%. I know that. I know that from the harassment and stuff he was yeah. doing at the time. That was on a Friday. The following Thursday, I had a job that paid more money. <laughs> okay, all so, right. So, living well is the best revenge. <laughs> so that, that was the good news. The bad news is it was in Houston. So, okay. I, had to, I had to move to Houston. So, I worked for a... They, um, the station actually paid to move me. They actually got beacons and boxed up everything. And it was... I, I, had, I didn't have anything to do. I felt like, well, this is the life. If mm-hmm. I'm going to have to move, I'm going to have somebody handle all of this stuff. And all I have to worry about is mopping the kitchen floor before we head out. Mm-hmm. And so, they did that... Um, I wasn't fond of Houston. My parents had had some health challenges at the point, and I had to stay there a year. I owed them for the move, so I stayed there 15 months. So, okay. And I came back here. I worked behind the scenes. I got a job working behind the scenes at Channel 4, which I stayed for seven and a half years. At that point, there had been a new news director at KRLD, and he hired me back to work part-time. So for two years, I worked six days a week, some day, some some weeks I worked seven days a week. There was one or several different stretches that I worked twenty days in a row. Wow! And I don't recommend that. No, I'm not that <laughs> young. I, I couldn't do it now. I don't know how I did it then. I well, I wasn't I wasn't dating. I I didn't have much of a life at that point. I was just paying my <laughs> bills and putting some money aside, yeah. paying off my student loans, and things like that. 
And then I decided, or actually the, the news director at the TV station at the time decided that I needed to, you know, give up the part-time job. And so she let me pick my exit, and yeah. I did. And then I stayed there for another four years, and then got out of the business and went in my went to work at University of North Texas, which was fine. There's a lot of politics associated with universities, and oh, God, I didn't yeah. enjoy that. Not to mention, this was at the point that the gas started hitting $4 a gallon, and the drive from where I live to UNT was an hour each way. Mm-hmm. And I was not enjoying life. Mm-hmm. It was just not a... Not something I wanted to do, so I started putting out resumes, and I started getting interviews with all sorts of places, and one of them ended up being Resource Center, and it was the quickest hire, I think, that uh, I had ever been through. Mm-hmm. I, I was interviewed for the job um, on a Friday. I had a second interview on the phone on uh, Sunday. I had a third interview with the then executive director on a Wednesday, and that afternoon I had up and I was offered the job. And an hour after I was offered the job, I turned to my notice at UNT. <laughs> so it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to let the don't let don't let the door hit me. I'm I'm leaving. Bye. I'm leaving. Bye. Bye. So that was a that was a monumental decision, and I yeah. don't regret it. But yeah, because you've been there now for 15 years. Exactly. So, exactly. So you and I know I know that the research center has grown over the years too, and. You've grown with them, so right. Yeah, we've uh, where I think, I think I was hiring them. I think I was the forty eighth person on staff mm-hmm. uh, when I when I came in. We're now I think at like seventy four, seventy five. We've expanded our wow. expanded our programs, that's expanded awesome. what we do. We've got new buildings, and there's just all sorts of stuff that's you know has changed about what we've done in mm-hmm. fifteen years. And we still got more stuff to, that we're working on with this senior housing program that'll be. Uh, be coming online in the uh, the summer of next year, summer of twenty twenty four. Oh my god, that is awesome! So, I guess people just need to know a little bit about what they do. Okay, so the resource center we've got a, a couple different uh, parts of our mission. Uh, we as I said are the LGBTQIA community center. That's what we were founded as back mm-hmm. in uh, June of nineteen eighty three. We were originally called the Foundation for Human Understanding mm-hmm. because in nineteen eighty three, if you put the words gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgendered, you in a in a uh, they probably would have you probably it. would have had a firebomb your yeah. building or shot it up or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So that's why we came up. We were the Foundation for Human Understanding, and we were essentially an, an advocacy group for the LGBT. Q, probably probably LGBT mm-hmm. back then. The, the QIA mm-hmm. came came much later, and certainly in the 1980s, that wasn't something that a lot of people were well, yeah, were, were thinking about. Yeah. Um, a year after that, uh, the AIDS pandemic rolled into town, and so we mobilized to start um, helping people with that. Uh, the first program that we established in that case was our food pantry, which is still going today. Uh, that we this started off as kind of a take a can, leave a can thing, and what was then called Crossroads Market. Basically, if you were in Dallas, you know where Hunky's Hamburgers is? Mm-hmm. That used to be uh, Crossroads Market up until, what, 20, 2008, 2009, something like that. Something like that, Something yeah. like that. I used to go in there all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I started I It was a very, I, I actually wanted a date with one of the owners, but that's another story for, for, for another time and not for the podcast. Uh, so <laughs> Or maybe for this podcast. Maybe. maybe um, that'd be the, <laughs> Misfits After Dark. Yes, yes. <laughs> Love that. Don't let us stop you from going <laughs> off track if you want to go off track. We do it all the time. So um, that, that's so we have we serve about twenty four twenty five hundred uh, people who are HIV positive in Dallas County and some of the surrounding counties and it's all based on income. You have to make two hundred percent of the uh, poverty line to qualify for our services. So for a single person, that's about thirty some odd thousand a year. Okay. Um, if you have dependents or you're married, that kind of stuff, the income qualification uh, goes up. In reality, though, about half our clientele makes less than $12,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So we're talking among the poorest of the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we, we, we provide everything. that we've actually Some of the things we've expanded to recently has actually been direct medical care. There have been, you know, you get, you, the, you, in the past it has been there's like another agency or you go through Parkland. Now you have the option of going through us as well. And there's, you know, I think there's also a fourth agency that offers direct care to folks. Mm-hmm. So you have that. We have the pantry that I've mentioned about. We have a hot meals program, which was started in the 1990s. 
uh, for food, folks who are food insecure qualify for our services. Uh, we have a hot meal that they can have Monday through Friday that provides about half the caloric intake of the average person. So we're talking a pretty, you know, dense meal, a 1500 calorie kind of meal, something that, you know, will stick to your ribs kind of thing. Yeah. We've since expanded that. Also, we're now offering breakfast. So that's a, that's something new that has happened in, in recent years. Oh, that's um, awesome. There's a case management stuff. Everybody gets a case manager that helps them stay on track in terms of are they getting their, are they receiving their care, are they getting their medicines, that sort of thing. Uh, insurance assistance. Uh, let's say somebody loses their job. Cobra is pretty expensive. We can mm-hmm. help them get onto an ACA plan that allows them to retain their medical coverage, which is obviously pretty important because mm-hmm. if someone who's HIV positive and they're on uh, some of the some of the various drugs, you don't want to kind of fall out of care because no, that will uh, that that could lead to you know potentially drug resistance and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So those are some of the things that we do there. On the LGBTQIA side, uh, we have a program called Youth First. It used to be an independent program, but we absorbed it, I think, about 10 or so years ago. And it provides uh, various programs and services to LGBTQIA youth uh, ages uh, 12 to 18. Uh, We have a gender identity night once a week. Uh, We have uh, various other book clubs, art clubs, and so forth. Um, We'll have other other events. We'll do some field trips. there have been the, 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 we have a queer prom in the spring, so there's there are various various things that all kind of fall under that particular umbrella. And we find programs also for their families and mm-hmm. so forth, so for their parents and so forth that may uh, need some you know counseling or someone to talk to about, or maybe just even have a little bit of fellowship to talk about the challenges of raising an LGBTQIA youth in these you know unusually trying times. Very unusually trying to. So after 18, then we have a variety of programs that kind of split out beyond that. For uh, male-identified folks, you have FUSE. For uh, male, same-gender-loving black folk, black-identified men, uh, that would be uh, United Black Element. Uh, for monolingual Spanish uh, male-identified folks, is Grupo Orgullo Hispanico. Roll the R's. You have SAFIC, which is spelled S-A-F-F-I-Q. I think I got that right. That's for female-identified folks. For transgender non-conforming folks, you have Gender Brave. So you have a variety of different uh, programs. And then for the 50-plus, which use the A per definition of senior citizens, we have a, a program uh, for that particular group as well. Uh, I mentioned just kind of briefly about the uh, senior housing program. I we have are, no idea that the Resource Center does all of that. Yeah, we do all of these things. It's I have just, no idea. Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. I can't believe you only have 75 people. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, it's, we talk about my stuff in terms of the advocacy stuff. We had one. You had me, and sometimes I'll borrow our CEO for some things for the first 11 years Mm -hmm. of this job. And we're now, I now have a staff of three, myself and two other folks, which, Mm -hmm. you know, we can actually cover more ground that way. But it's, 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 it's much more, it's, 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 it's nicer to be able to do that. But the senior housing program, we're building on some land that we acquired uh, very near where the Dallas Eagle used to be. If you kind of know that mm-hmm. area at uh, Inwood and Maple, there, behind the Eagle, there was this, for lack of a better term, a, a storage place that people would store like their boats and so forth out there. That's the property that we bought. And we're building okay, an sweet. 89 uh, room suite um apartment complex that's going to be professionally managed, mm-hmm. uh, not, by, not by us. We'll have, a, we'll have a person there who'll be kind of the liaison and working with programming and so forth, but it's going to be managed, I believe, by Matthew Southwest. And uh, we anticipate, if everything goes you know, according to plan, if we don't have you know, crazy weather between now and then, that we'll be able to get folks starting to move in uh, in June of next year. So that's okay. ambitious. So, so how long has it been? It's, we did the groundbreaking in May. Now. We did the okay. groundbreaking in May. So we've been. If you go, if you go by there, it's 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 pretty amazing what we've got. It's like it's a three story building, so it's you know, and it's really nice for folks. You know, it's 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 going to be. It we can't exclude folks based on sexual orientation. We have to let straight people be able to qualify. Sure, but it's it, the gearing and the focus is for LGBTQIA people. Right. And, you know, if you're a senior uh, who qualifies for to be able to live there, you know, you don't have to have a car. You can take a, you can take DART. It's literally across the street, the Inwood Station. Mm-hmm. So you're convenient to be able to go do that, to do whatever it is you need. If you want to go shopping, if you've got a doctor's appointment, if you want to, you know, go down towards the strip or something like that, you're able to do that. So... That's a that's a, a pretty exactly. big thing, and then you know under my area of advocacy, 
know, we are we're we do all sorts of stuff from mm-hmm. you know reacting to whatever crazy foolishness is coming out of the state capitol in Austin, mm-hmm. or whatever which is constant, which is which is constant, constant. Um, whatever is uh, happening uh, in terms of you know the world that we live in in terms mm-hmm. of reacting to stuff. Um, we get called on a lot, but we try not. We try to you know we're not going to be the people who will necessarily respond to everything. And mm-hmm. I think that we want to make sure that we're very conscious that we're not, you know, if it's a, if it's an issue, for example, involving the trans community, uh, one, of my, one of my coworkers, one of the people who works for me, she's a trans woman. I'm going to let her speak for that. I don't live, have that lived experience. I'm not going to speak on that. So she's going to be able to do that. But there are specific times and specific issues that we will go and farm this out to like black trans men or house of her birth or something of that nature for the, to actually make sure that those voices are specifically heard and not so much ours. Mm-hmm. So that's very intentional about that. Um, there are staff members who do uh, speak Spanish, so they're able to do interviews with various Spanish language broadcasters, and that's I think you know terribly important. I wish my Spanish was that good. I'm I'm on the Duolingo. I'm trying to get it better. So you know we'll see how that goes. I'm I'm sure you're probably a lot better than me. I took two years of it in high school, and I still can't. I could read it and kind of understand, but I can't speak it. I certainly can't do the roll the R's. <laughs> <laughs> I took French. I, 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 that, that in itself is its own story, how I ended up taking three years of French. But, you know, my, my grandmother came from Mexico, and I think that the assumption was that I would have picked up Spanish from listening to her and my grandfather. And sure. I probably did. But that was always the secret language they used to talk about the grandkids. Mm-hmm. And you had to kind of just... Yes, all the bad stuff. All the bad or, stuff. Or, or, all the bad, or, you, or, or you hear, all, hear about all the... Oh, you hear all yes. the family gossip and so forth. They were going to go... They are going to suddenly drop into... Grandma, Grandpa, know. what are you talking about? You exactly. don't need to know. Exactly. So that, that, that I think, was what was, the, what was the, the motivation going on there for me learning French and not Spanish. Well, um, so Rafael hit me up on Facebook, right? And he was like, hey, I've listened to your podcast. I'm like... Wait, what? You did? Oh my God! <laughs> you hated it, right? <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. Um, and he was. I asked him. I was like, well, would you like to be a guest? And he said, yes. Yeah. So we met for lunch and stuff. And I've we've known each other. We've known each other right. probably since two thousand eight. Yeah, we've known each other since or, I moved to the resource center, which was two thousand eight. I don't think I knew you before then. So yeah, so, so around yeah. two thousand eight. That's actually when I moved to Dallas anyway and started to work at S four. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we've known each other for a long time, but, and you live in Fort Worth, which I've always like, you know, worked in Fort Worth constantly, even when right. I lived in Dallas. But we never really hung out, right? Besides like the big social things, right? Exactly. We'd bump each we'd bump each other maybe on the strip or mm-hmm. at a party or a fundraiser or something like that. So this is like, well, you know, it kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it just it worked out, and um, you started to tell me about your interest in astrology. Right, right. It, 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 it's interesting because, you know, I grew up, I grew up Catholic. I grew up, uh, you know, it, it was interesting in terms of, of, of how that is. Um, my, you know, my family was pretty Catholic, although I kind of say it's kind of up to a line. They weren't one of these folks who went to Mass every week. They'd go, you know, on the Holy Days and, you know, they'd, uh, you know, kind of follow follow the news and mm-hmm. you give it to the church and sort of stuff. My grandfather, I think, at one point had, stu- was, had considered studying to be a priest and uh, that just didn't didn't work for him. But my grandmother was very big into astrology and I mm-hmm. always kind of thought that was very interesting about how you kind of put that kind of traditional Catholicism mm-hmm. together with astrology. And the more that I thought about it, I think that, you know, there's a certain mystical aspect to certain parts of Catholicism, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know... You know, the seeing the visions of Our Lady of Guadalupe or the, you know, the miracle at Fatima. Uh, my grandmother was considered so very devoted to a particular saint, St. Therese of the Little Flower. Mm-hmm. That was like one of her, her big devotions, if you will. So it's not, I don't think it's too difficult to line to go from that mm-hmm. to also looking at, you know, astrology and rising suns and, mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things. Well, and there are so many churches out there that, have the zodiac symbols embedded into right. the actual buildings, into the stained glass. There are some churches that have uh, Pisces, uh, Aries, Taurus, and, and it's all over the world. Right, right. 
So, so I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's one of those things you can kind of, I can see how you get from, you know, that point to, to that point. And, mm-hmm. You know, and there are certain, you know, mystical powers associated with the saints. I was thinking to myself the story about uh, about St. Anthony. You know, we want to sell your house, you bury St. Anthony upside down in your yes, yard. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a real thing. That's yes. a real thing, yes. So that's a, there's, a, there's a certain amount of, you know, odd mysticism, I think, associated with that. I don't that some That Anthony some Protestants may not, might, might not understand. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any statues, but we used to carry some, and people would come in and buy them just I for actually, that purpose, yeah. I actually bought a St. Anthony statue. <laughs> I, I'm not selling my house. I'm not doing anything with it, but I've got I've got my, my backyard. I've been That's one of the things I started during the pandemic was adding gardens. and mm-hmm. So I ended up getting from various, either going to estate sales or mm-hmm. some friends had given me some. So I've got some various statues and so forth. And I, I guess when was it? It was probably back in uh, September. Um, I'd gone down to Austin. I, I was going to go to Houston, see a friend. He had COVID, so I ended up going to Austin, see another friend, and came back through. There's that little statuary store that's like down there near Waco. You're driving between Waco and Austin. Mm-hmm. I thought on the side of the road, there's this place that sells nothing but statues. And I just happened to be there. I found one of one of my dogs, mm-hmm. and then I thought they had a St. Anthony. I thought, okay, this will be perfect for the yard. Because yeah. I have a Virgin Mary and I have a St. Francis. I think I've got an Arlie of Guadalupe. So it's like, okay, we might as well add that. And I've got a couple Buddhas. I've got a kind of a more traditional Eastern Buddha and then one that's more uh, of a, an, a South Asian Indian Buddha. So, I mean, I've got kind of a little bit of a little bit of everything. I had a Celtic cross. And, well, if you have to so, say Anthony there, I mean, I, I could imagine people would probably be stopping and be like, hey, you want to sell your house? Oh, I, I, I get those calls. I get those. Those are the ones that go on the landline that you know come in as a you know number not found or something yeah. like that, and it's somebody wanting to you know sell my house. Like no, get yeah. off, don't don't call me again. Well, so you, it, you, uh, you spoke about your grandmother, and uh, so you were exposed to the Catholicism. Uh-huh. But at this point in your life, what what is it that you kind of believe? What's your spirituality? I think it's kind of a little bit all over the place. I mean, I think kind of culturally, I do still consider myself Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've attended Cathedral of Hope some, mm-hmm. but certainly not regularly. One thing that my boy, my boyfriend also grew up Catholic, which I think, which I think is just really kind of a surprise. I found a Catholic boy, Mom. <laughs> it's like surprise. You should be so proud. Yeah, surprise. So you know, he's not. He's not. I would say terribly attached to the church either, but you know we do you know, go for Easter and Christmas, and uh, there are some parts of that that I think make sense. There are some parts I think that I'm very unhappy with, and that's mostly kind of the the social aspects of the church. The fact that you know they have marginalized women. The fact that you know LGBTQIA people were considered intrinsic, intrinsically disordered by the previous pope mm-hmm. before he became pope, and mm-hmm. so there's all of these things that kind of one of the first groups that I got involved with uh, in the LGBTQA community after my first boyfriend. And my first boyfriend was Catholic, too, which is kind of a, an interesting thing. He actually went to a Catholic college. Um, was I got involved with a group called Dignity that was for LGBTQ Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really kind of my entree into the community as a whole. I remember some of the first bars I went to in Dallas, you know, way back in the day when Village Station was a thing, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some of the other clubs like Big Daddies and uh, and things of that nature. The Wave, you know, I miss the old TMC. I can't. Yes, yeah, the yeah, the original <laughs> TMC and those 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 kind of those kind of things um, were. We go to we'd have mass. Uh, we go have dinner someplace, you know, places that you know don't exist anymore, like mm-hmm. the Lubies on uh, Cedar Springs, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the black the, the black IP, the mm-hmm. uh, Good Eats Cafe. I mean, this is kind of like the <laughs> places that no longer exist in Dallas. Yep. Um, and then you know we go to you know Trash Disco at Village Station, mm-hmm. and that was you know that was kind of my 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 early steps of of emerging into the community because I mean I always. I knew I was gay going back into into high school and didn't do anything about it. Really didn't do much about it when I was an undergrad at TCU. Um, it was really when I got into to grad school in UNT and I was living on my own that I start uh, kind of you know kicking the tires and figure out what was going on. And once I once I moved to Oklahoma, uh, was really kind of more of an awakening. Mm-hmm. And I met my first boyfriend when I was living up there. And in an ironic twist, he was living here. He was from Oklahoma, but he was living in Denton. Or living north of Denton, actually in Sanger. Oh, okay. And we were together on and off for four years, and he's still a good friend. He's he's a Facebook friend, and he, uh, uh, he's, he's it's really it's really kind of nice that you know even 
30 years later, he's still, yeah, you're still friends. We're still, we're still friends. I mean, I think that's, which is why I think kind of unique about the, about the community in some cases with some, with some members of it, you know, we were, we were able to remain friends. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. exes that no, I, I'm not going to, you know, yes. if you're on fire, I'm not going to put you out. I can't be friends with. And then definitely one big ex that I'm still friends with. And I don't know about the last one, but right. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So when did you actually officially come out of the closet? Well, answer this question a long way. I came out to myself probably, I wasn't a think probably in the late 80s. Okay. I didn't act on it in terms of, you know, dating boyfriends and stuff like that until I, I met my, my first ex. And that was Memorial Day weekend of 1990. I can precisely tell you the date. Um, and so moved back to Dallas in the fall of 1990 to take the job at KRLD. I think Jeff and I had had our first breakup over the holidays, and I decided, okay, I need to meet more people. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I ended up arriving at Dignity. I came out to my mom the day my grandmother died, and I don't recommend anybody ever wow. doing that. Okay. My thought was, she's already had enough emotion for one day. I can get this one and just let it slide right under the door. Oh, dear God. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Do not recommend. I think she probably would have taken that worse than the grandma dying. <laughs> no, she was actually, her, her reaction to that, well, this was, and I, I distinctly remember the conversation. We were on the way back from um, Laurel Land, the cemetery over on uh, Crowley Road over in mm-hmm. South Fort Worth. And we were driving back to my, my, my mom's house at the time, uh, uh, which is over in Wedgwood. And she was talking about all the things that my grandmother's not going to be able to see me do. And one of the ones that she was really, you know, keened in on is the fact she'd never see me get married. Oh. And my response yeah. was just kind of a blurted out, well, Mom, she wouldn't see that anyway <laughs> because I'm gay. <laughs> well, yeah. I knew that. I was actually that was the response was, you. well, I knew that. Did she? So she did know. She yeah, had she, 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 she knew. I'm, I mean, I'm, sure she, I'm, sure she, yeah, I'm sure she had her suspicions from, you know, from, from some time. Um, but, you know, I, I, it wasn't something I'd ever thought of. And like I said, I, I think if, if I had had a chance to do it differently, I would have. But this just seemed like, okay, well, here's your door. Let's walk through it. Mm-hmm. This just seemed to be a moment. Like I said, it's not something I'd recommend to anybody. No. But, yeah, no, it is what it is. So when you were, uh, I guess before you came out of the closet and stuff, were you having any issues with reconciling the spirituality, the faith, with being gay? I, I thought about it, and I think, you know, part of it is that, you know, I grew up, I think, what I would call in a little bit of a different time at the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the 1980s, that was the certainly the John Paul, kind of more of the, the traditionalist in ascendancy. A lot of my early involvement with Catholicism it was under the Pope Paul, mm-hmm. and that was more the, the Vatican II, the social justice, you know, I remember one of the ma- the masses that we had at, at St. Andrews, which was my parents' home parish, they had a folk mass, which was all very big in the 1970s with the with the guitars and the tambourines. It was said it was just, oh, so 1970s. Okay. In fact, my grandfather used to refer to it when he would take me there as that, well, that was the hippie mass. <laughs> but no judgment. He just referred to it, oh, that's the hippie. I've got to go to the hippie. Let's go to the hippie mass. Just like we haven't gone to mass, so let's, let's go do that. So he was very open-minded about that, which I, I, I think was really really very interesting um so that was kind of the branch of catholicism i came from which you know i think is interesting to see under under the current pope pope francis he's kind of bringing some of that back Mm -hmm. they're having some more of the discussions about the about about the role of women i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know he's a jesuit the jesuits Mm -hmm. are very big on intellectual curiosity that's one Mm -hmm. thing that i i i am i'm very big on kind of well how how does this how why does this well, why not this? Mm-hmm. How about this way? You know, that kind of stuff. Even as, as, as kind of an intellectual exercise, but at the same time, it's just a, a, a practical sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so... I think he's very practical. I think he is very practical. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're... He worked at a, at a bar. Yeah. Yeah, he worked and, at a bar. And I think, you know, I think probably in a broader sense, I'm kind of long-term concerned that the Catholic Church may go the way of the Episcopal Church or the Methodist Church in terms of there being some kind of a schism over the rights of LGBTQ and women. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, certainly here in the United States, I think there's a fair number of uh, traditional Catholics that are pretty politically conservative. And 
aren't really subscribing to some of the Vatican II stuff. But the fact is, you know, he's Pope, and if you don't like it, then, you know, there's the door. I mean, he's, he's done that with some bishops that have been uh, openly and maybe not so openly critical of uh, some of the things he said and done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, cross the boss. Yeah, I, um, I definitely think... I mean, I don't want to say that he's an advocate, but I, I, don't, but I do think he's an ally. He's 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 a he's an ally in the sense that he has he knows about how far he can step. Yeah. You know, I mean, how long did it take the Catholic Church to apologize to Galileo? Sure, a long time. Five hundred years. I mean, yeah. this is this is the, this is the ultimate slow-moving battleship to turn around. Um, but like everything else, in the last thirty years, there's been so much information disseminated because of the internet. Right. You just th- that's that's the whole thing. It's like. These centuries of ignorance and darkness have kind of condensed themselves to the last 30 years. Right. So it keeps, it continues to fade. And the more knowledge is at our fingertips. I mean, my God, my nephew just doesn't give up his phone. He's only eight years old. So he could access anything online, right? So it's like, it's like that with anybody. So you cannot hide behind um, the cl- uh, clandestine walls of, of the church. Those walls have fallen. Everybody knows everything. And I think that that's why he himself realizes, too. He's like, he's, he's a human rights person. Right. Yeah, I mean, he, he had, there, there was so much that was happening in terms of human rights in Central and South America that he was aware of mm-hmm. when he was a bishop and, and coming up in the priesthood and so forth. You can't, you can't help but see that. Mm-hmm. And that can't Absolutely. help but affect, you know, your thinking. Plus, I think the thing, in addition to the fact that we're all connected, is the speed of that connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I think back to, you know, when I started broadcasting, you know, we, we recorded everything, you know, you know on on audio tape mm-hmm. and sometimes we put them on reel to reels and we had to actually physically cut the tape to get whatever we wanted now it's all digital and you can mm-hmm. just beep boop bop and there's your little you know sound bite right there absolutely yeah and it and we it, didn't have the internet to, you send it through facebook or you email it and boom exactly <laughs> it's there in two seconds exactly so yeah i mean just th- these um um mega organizations or institutions can't hide behind the ignorance or darkness anymore right but um so okay so you you came you came out uh, in the 80s and you kind of reconciled the whole gay thing right and uh, i mean to me it appears that you're just you're very open-minded across the board yeah yeah i mean i, I i'd like to think i am <laughs> yeah, not i'm not I, you know I, I, there are times that you know you might you might need to you know just kind of assess yourself mm-hmm. um and i think that you know there's there are certain issues that i think i've probably broaden my knowledge on mm-hmm. more recently and changed my view over the last, you know, decade, 15 years. Um, so do you think it's possible for a person to believe in God or the Supreme Being and also do all the stuff that I may do? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Or like Deanna, still believe in and preach as well. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's cool. Um as one specific thing I kind of wanted to address is, okay, so obviously our podcast name is Mystic Misfits, right? Mm-hmm. But the root word there is going to be misfit. Right. So my question to you would be, how do you think being a misfit for yourself mm-hmm. has has worked out for you, either like a disadvantage or maybe an advantage? Well, it's been both. It's been I mean, I think, I think that's the, you know, if you look at it, it's been a number of different ways. I mean, I think of the fact, you know, when I, when I, you go back to the kind of, let's go, go back to where I talk about what a misfit is or what I think a misfit is. Mm-hmm. A misfit is someone that kind of falls outside of what society considers to be the mainstream or the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can be a misfit because your IQ is higher than normal or mm-hmm. lower than normal. You can be a misfit based on your race, on your gender, on your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your economic background, your... Um, linguistic preference, your um, immigration status, and so forth and so on and so on and so on. So, I mean, all of those things, you know, 
the fact that you're I'm, I'm a larger guy. I mean, I'm a bigger guy than than, than some folks. So yeah, that's okay. an issue. That, that, that well, that's that's an issue as well. I mean, you know, there's there's some places that, you know, sure. it's harder to fit in an airplane seat, for example. That's a that's a, that's an example yeah. of that. And you, you know, you you deal you deal with how that is in a world that isn't necessarily your size. So that 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 you know that that's a that's a whole new layer that I have that mm-hmm. you don't, for example, or or other folks don't. I mean, you know that you, you you bring up an interesting point. That may not be something that the rest of us think about. Uh, who may not like if you're buying an airplane ticket, I might need to buy two airplane tickets. Yeah. So well, I mean, the se- the secret to that is that South. My boyfriend is also a bigger guy. He's actually he's bigger and taller. Uh, so usually he will get he puts on his record at Southwest, and they will give him an extra seat, and we'll just split the extra seat, and we'll pre-board early. So that's that's been that's how awesome, we do it. Yeah. So that's that's really nice. It's they're one of the few airlines that do that. American and United aren't quite as quite as nice when it comes to that, but Southwest is very good. Uh, but yeah, I mean you're right. Uh, people people can consider themselves a misfit because of that. Right. So, I mean, I think that, you know, you talked about, well, does it benefit me or does it, does it hinder me? Well, I mean, I think in some cases, you know, that might be considered a hindrance to some people. Sure. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, I went to a private school and got a nice firm grounding in all sorts of thought and the ability to reason and exposure to the great books of the world mm-hmm. and the importance of math and art and music and all this other stuff, I think that gives me a bit of an advantage in mm-hmm. some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think, you know, it's to a certain extent being part of the LGBTQIA community gives me a, a bit of an advantage because, it, you know, it makes me, it gives me a bit of a platform. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps the fact that I used to work in news and I know how to write concisely and mm-hmm. can think in terms of soundbite length of what needs to be said and maybe I have the ability to find the person who might be able to help me with something and talk to them and convince them or have folks convince them mm-hmm. uh, that's that that's part of you know that's part of what I do in advocacy it's it's, mm-hmm. it's the art of persuasion right exactly absolutely sometimes it's a sometimes it's a it's it's a light touch sometimes it's a baseball bat so <laughs> a lot of times it's being baseball bat. Exactly. You get you 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 have to know you have to know which it is. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you sometimes the baseball bat when you need to be a light touch isn't the right answer. And no. sometimes when you go light touch and you need a baseball bat, you're kind of left going, Hey, what happened? <laughs> so, you know, that that that's that that's part of the whole that's part of the whole thing. And then kind of you know, mapping mapping things out, kind of you know, where are you going? And you just kind of you know, build a build a process, build a flow. So, somebody, um, an individual, whether they're transgendered or or even straight, uh, somebody who's heterosexual, but a young person who feels like a misfit for mm-hmm. whatever their reasons, um, their personal reasons, even if it's because they're different, right? And maybe they do they grew up in a, a very religious household, um, whether it be Baptist or so have you, and but yet they want to explore something different. What would be something you would tell them? Uh, well, first of all, I would I would urge them to find somebody trusted to talk to, mm-hmm. whether it's a counselor, whether it's a minister, whether it's the head of their Boy Scout or Girl Scout troop, or maybe it's your best friend, the you know the parent of your best friend. You know, find somebody to talk to, mm-hmm. um, and then you know be able to find some resources, mm-hmm. whether you know. In our, in our case, we talked about the LGBTQIA community, you know, find an organization like Resource Center or Trevor Project or mm-hmm. something of that nature. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, maybe you're a gifted or talented child, mm-hmm. you know, having some experience in that area, you know, f- you know, find out what your school offers for someone who is GT. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- if, if, on the other hand, maybe you're having issues with, you think you might be dyslexic, you know, there's there's issues, you know, you got to find it, you know, do a, do a little bit of research, do a little bit of talking, you know, help, don't do nothing. That, I think, right. is probably the one thing I would say is don't gonna, do nothing. Don't let it just... A, a depression. Exactly. Don't yeah. just let yourself, and it's okay to don't do nothing for a while, but don't let it consume you. Exactly. I mean, you know, that's, that's how you get into... A really bad spot is don't let that consume mentally and emotionally and then you might become bitter and resentful and then not only emotionally and psychologically but also spiritually and because the spiritual part is a very important part to us right being human right 
you know, find, find, find whatever. I mean, whether it is a traditional faith, whether it is something that maybe you are, you know, you connect through, through, through nature or something of that, of that thing. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, somebody like a Henry David Thoreau and his transcendentalism movement that wasn't really connected to any faith, but I would argue that that is probably one of the most faith-filled books out there just because of how he connected to kind of the, the broader natural world. Mm -hmm. So. Which in itself is considered the essence of quote unquote God. Right. Exactly. So. Well, no, I definitely agree. I mean, that's, that's usually my concern. And over the years, but sometimes, you know, it could be once a week or every few days. We get people that walk in and they're young people and they're like, you know, I grew up like this, but, and all my family was like, crystals are bad, psychic readings are bad, yeah. tarot cards are evil and the devil. But yet, um, they're they're wanting to pursue something. They're wanting to understand um, the universe more through this type of stuff. And, and connect with God because they're, right. for some reason they feel ostracized. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that that is a huge concern of mine. Well, I think there's so much of the world that we don't know, and I think to assume that there's one true path is never the right answer. I mean, no. we've seen this throughout history, whether it's been you know the the Crusades, mm-hmm. whether it's been the Puritans, whether it's been the Red Scare of the 1950s. The one true path is never the correct answer. Mm-hmm. There are multiple paths forward. Absolutely. And you have to figure out what it is that works for you. Well, and that's supposed to be the best part, the greatest part of this nation, right, is the First Amendment, your ability to, you know, give out your opinion, but to pursue whatever you want to pursue spiritually. Right. Right, exactly. That's why we don't have a, a national religion like some countries do. Yes, and some people in this country would love for us to have. Well that they 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 are they are wrong hopefully hopefully that won't happen so hopefully um but yes everybody is free to explore god how they see fit and i just i think so many people forget that right um and that's in itself is the problem everybody wants to um everyone wants to be god yeah, well yeah Yeah, that's a whole different podcast exactly (laughs) everybody wants to make choice makes choices for other people how does you that song go? Everybody wants to rule the world. Exactly. Curious yeah. for fears, 1985. <laughs> Everybody wants to rule the world. You know, the fact that we have like 14 major, major denominations and like 200 sub denominations mm-hmm. of those 14 majors, that tells you right then and there that, you know, it's more than, more than one path. And not only that, it's about people who choose to practice different ways. Mm-hmm. But as far as you know, Jesus is, he is, he exists for all of them. Right, 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 absolutely. And like we've said before many times, it's like no matter if you want to go through the Trinity or you want to um, do the Buddhism or uh, even if you're a Muslim, no. that's that's fine. Um, but I just don't think it's anybody else's business to project their ideas onto others. Well, yeah, well, that's where the conflict comes in because yeah. you have these 14 major religions and 200 sub-religions sub and everyone wants to point the finger at each other and says, well, the way you're practicing is wrong. Right. And it's, I just can't understand why can't people, why can't, why can't people get over that point? Why do you still have to project it on others? Right. It's about and, power is what it ends up becoming at that point. It's it's always it no longer becomes an issue of faith. It becomes an issue of power and control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and that's, you know, that that's where you start getting into dangerous territory. Well, I mean, here's the here's the bottom line. This planet is still spinning. The human species is still alive. Um, we're you know we're still thriving for the most part. The planet has not ended. Yeah. You know, uh, billions of us are not dead yet. I mean, for the most part, the only way that's going to happen is through a natural. Uh, disaster in and of from the earth or from space um, or a human-made disaster you know nuclear war or some type of uh, disease right so um, but otherwise after thousands of years we're still here Mm -hmm. so God has God has obviously I don't want to say doesn't care but I think people are the ones that care more than God in that regard the gays are still alive. 
Muslims are still here and thriving. Uh, Hindus are still here. Buddhists. I mean, every every different religion, even in the, the um, in terms of Christian, all of it is growing everywhere. And then even what you know in terms of like people that are just naturally gifted with you know strong senses of intuition, um, all of it is growing everywhere. So God has not felt the need to stop any of it. So why can't people just understand that? Because if he did, we all would have been gone a long time ago. Right. And it would be less boring. Uh, it would be a more boring place. Mm-hmm. It would be less interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's my personal belief is that as God learns, he learns through us and all of our experiences, which is as we talked about before with the souls. That's why we keep coming back because we're, we're tethered to the universe, to God. Right. So it's it's a learning curve right through all of our experiences so um have you ever had a reading before i, I it's been a very long time i have had one but i haven't had one in a long time do you check your horoscope <laughs> i do i do i yeah. do this has been a challenging year i hadn't i hadn't mentioned that i think i may have mentioned this too over over lunch we had this has been a challenging year i've had you know i think as you get older you suddenly realize that the circles of your world get smaller and keep changing i mean we both we both shared a, a good friendship with uh, john loza uh, mm-hmm. from dallas and you know and, and, and from tom amble here in fort worth worked very closely with him on on various projects and uh, got advice sometimes unsolicited mm-hmm. in John's case sometimes unsolicited but certainly uh, certainly that was a big thing this this was a really odd year in that I had three friends of mine die within 60 days that's right that yeah, is that. you know you don't you, you think back I think back to the days uh, before um the drug cocktails of HIV mm-hmm. and it was certainly not uncommon for friends to die mm-hmm. literally rapidly after they got the diagnosis Mm -hmm. because there was just so little to have stuff treated with it's less common now i think to suddenly have you know in this case three friends die of cardiovascular issues which is what happened in this particular case Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know it's 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 odd you know it's just just kind of there's nothing that you know there's nothing you you can say that you know would uh have prevented this. It just it just happened when it happens, and you know that's the best you can do is mourn their loss and live in a way that uh, they will be proud of you. Um, do you believe in an afterlife? Oh yes. Sort? I mean, I I think that you know that that's something I think is you we talked about the kind of the the merging of the Catholic faith with other stuff though we just we just came back from the Dia de los Muertos mm-hmm. and the ofrendas that people are, are leaving one of the one of the nicest ones I think I saw was out at the state fair for my friend Jesse Tafaya who died who is probably one of my biggest links to the uh, the Latino community he was mm-hmm. one of the very early people to to kind of help hook me up with them and because he worked at Dart, some of the work that I had done with Dart in the early early 2010s, he was very helpful, kind of behind the scenes there. So, you know, this is this was an opportunity for the community to show their love and 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 uh, I guess the influence that he had, and the fact that that influence continues even if his physical presence is not with us anymore. Um, and if and if this is too personal, let me know, but. In terms of like your own personal intuition, have any of these people that passed away, your friends, have they visited you in dreams or anything? Not yet. Okay. I think that they probably will. I mean, I still I still give visits every so often for my dad. Okay. And he's yeah. died, he died 10 years ago. Okay. And I, I, I've occasionally gotten visits from my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And usually it's kind of a no, don't do that. It's almost it's almost been kind of a kind of a warning. Of, mm-hmm. that, that's how I that's how I how I get those uh, those uh, those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I uh, I have not gotten visits from them. I expect I probably will at some point. Sometimes, um, even quickly after someone's passing, they they will come by and visit. Um, but in some cases, it could take a whole year. Right. Yeah. Earth time. You know, so. I mean, one of the one of the concerns I had with one of one of my, my my friend Steve who died is that I didn't know what happened. I mean, he was just he he was died. He was found dead, and I immediately thought. Oh well, you know, is it foul play? Is it, you know, was he with the wrong person and something happened and so forth? And, you know, you had to kind of wait out the process to get the the toxicology back. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, we had a heart attack. Well, that's probably about as good as one could expect if one if one actually is a uh, is a uh, looking for something, yeah. you know, rather yeah. than anything else that it could have been. Right. 
and like it mean because you'd be concerned like well there's something i could have done there's something people right. missed right but if it's a heart attack it's a heart attack right you know your time yeah. that's your time yeah that's your time end of discussion well um is there do you have any questions no no okay there what would be a good takeaway from this segment uh rafael um well, I think that probably um, the thing that I would take away is that everybody who's listening to this is valuable. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's listening yes. to this has a contribution to make. Mm-hmm. And your contribution may not be something that earns you a headline in a newspaper or 15 seconds on the 6 o'clock news. But I think it's incumbent on everyone to be making those contributions. Mm-hmm. Don't slack off because you think yours is so small compared to somebody else's or may not knock down barriers and walls. Mm-hmm. You know, yours is yours is part of a of a, of a of a global effort. Yes. And I think that you know you need to kind of remember that you know you're part of that you're part of the 320 million folks that are all moving and grooving through space. And uh, your voice is important. Your soul is important. Your tasks are important. I would say amen to that. Absolutely. Um, no, I would, I would, I love that. Uh, yes, I think everybody that is listening is valuable uh, 100%. I really wish that so many people that might be very open minded. Just you could be open-minded and still be conservative. It's it's not really a contradiction. You know, and I think that quite honestly, at this point in time, you know, we we've always had a situation where we've had two political parties in opposition, mm-hmm. and I think we need to get back to that. We need to have, you know, open discussion rather than just shutting folks down, mm-hmm. or just being you know absolutely fixed on one position that defies logic. And um. I mean, and that's pretty much what I was going to, that was my point. I was like, um, why can't the people that are open-minded, that want to pursue spirituality, but yet are still misfits, um, in order for us to keep that ability, that freedom, right, that right, we need to get out there and vote. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's I that, think, that's, that's I think that's, that's part of the step is actually voting, but I think it's even, even more than that, it's getting involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a... Um, I'm a city appointee here in Fort Worth, and I think you have to be thinking, you know, as small as what's happening in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, is that do, do you really want that to be built over there, right. or do you really want a street light or a traffic signal over there because it's near a school and the people drive past and don't pay attention to the uh, the, the flashing yellow signs and zip through the school zone? So I mean, you, 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 those are those are, you know, those affect someone. You think mm-hmm. about what what you're doing that affects somebody else. It may not affect, you know, we talk, for example, at Resource Center about our policies and so forth. That I think the number that we use is that we've, we've worked on policies that have affected 65,000 public sector workers, which is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But you think about the fact that, you know, maybe I've got a friend who is between jobs and they're too proud to tell you that they don't have anything in the refrigerator. Well, just show up at their house with a bag of groceries. Mm-hmm. I've done that more times than I care to admit. And that's just who I am and how I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, don't, don't worry about paying me. You know, you, you, you got to have something to have something to eat. So, you know, I can't give you money. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to give you money, but, you know, here, have some, have some spaghetti here, some mm-hmm. cereal. Um, I, I know what, I, obviously, I don't do that type of extent um, in terms of, like, Helping people, I wish I, could. I wish I could. Um, I know Deanna has done a lot of that, but um, I mean, who hasn't gotten um, someone come up, coming up to them and asking them, "Hey, do you have a dollar? Or right. hey, do you have some bus fare?" Or, or hey, I don't do so much do that just because I don't carry cash. Yeah, <laughs> the pandemic. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm Mr. Yeah. Debit Card. I don't carry. I don't carry a lot of money on me. Yeah, but um, I mean, if it's a, if it's something I know, a friend, and I know mm-hmm. that they've been, you know, circumstances have caused them to have a 
a real disruption of how they do things, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'm gonna you know do what I can, or I'll keep an I'll keep an ear on them. I'll I'll make sure I give them a call or send them a meme or something to say, hey, I'm out here. I'm just thinking about you. But that's the whole. I mean, the whole point of that for it to work is they have to. They they kind of need to tell you, or you kind of need to do some investigating if you think that something's wrong with them. Because like you said, they could have a, a really good job and be in the middle of something, a transition, but you're not going to know unless you open up their fridge that something's wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, but that that even goes into like depression and even friends that might be suicidal. Right. I've, like well, Tom was. Like, like Tom, Tom was. Yeah. yeah. My, my, the first guy I ever had a crush on was in my high school class, and he took his life. And um, ironically, it was when I was, uh, when I, he, it was, he first, he tried twice. His first unsuccessful attempt was at a, at a building at, on the UNT campus. And when the year and a half that I worked at, at, up there, I think I went in that building all of once. Mm-hmm. I just steered away from that part of campus, like, don't give me that assignment. I'm going to go do, somebody else is going to have it. I can't do it or something. So I just, I, I, that was kind of my, my coping for it. It's like, I just, I'm going to stay clear. I don't want to, I don't want to envision in my head what that day looked like. Well, everything that's going on in the world right now, um, from everything with the bombardment of the mass shootings to the dysfunction in Congress uh, and throughout the states and then with the war between Israel and Gaza and anything else um, that, that's going on. It's hard for people not to, obviously, look at the news and get depressed. Right. That's an ongoing thing. Everybody's mental health is very important because the mental health then transfers into the emotional, thus the spirit, right? So right. All we could do, no matter what, is just try to be vigilant and ask people that we know or we care about or coworkers, hey, how are you doing? You doing okay? Right. And now that, you know, I mean, I I work remotely, so I don't go into the job every single day. So that's an even, you know, a tricky thing. And I I make sure to work with the people that are, that I supervise and just kind of, just kind of do a, they call it restaurant business, the table touching. The manager comes by, hey, how's your dinner? Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. You just, but you do it in a, in in the virtual world sense. Hey, how are you doing? How's things going? You, You go back and you try and do that. That's, that's one of the reasons why, by the way, I love my boss. She's really good at that. She's really very intuitive, and she's very big on self-care, which is one of the reasons why I, I, I love working for her. That's why, I'm, that's why I've been there 15 and a half years. I mean, uh, I've, I've met Cece a few times, but um, I never never really got into like a deep conversation with her. We actually knew each other before I went to work at the center. She had uh, she used to, among her, among her other uh, jobs, she had been the regional mm-hmm. person for uh, for GLAAD, and then she had been uh, the PR person for the Turtle Creek Corral. So we'd always kind of know each other. And she it's was actually terrible. president of the Dallas Gay and Lesbian Alliance back in the 90s when I was in the news business. Oh, and wow. Not completely okay. out, but sort of out. Some people knew, yeah. some people didn't. And so yeah, so we we all kind of we all kind of knew each other. So that was one of the reasons why I mentioned about the fact that you know my hiring was on a was on a lightning track because mm-hmm. she already kind of knew who I was and yeah. uh, that made things. Was I talking about that that path? Like I said, you know, I didn't realize that meeting C.C. Cox in 1994 would lead her to being my boss in 2008 would lead her to still being my boss in 2023. Um, that is the way serendipity works. Exactly. There um, are no coincidences. There are no coincidences. No. Um, so with all of that said, um, I think we had a wonderful t- uh, takeaway from Raphael. And uh, I think this has been an excellent podcast for the most part. Definitely. Uh, besides you losing your bumper today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but we'll do our best to try to help it. Get it, get it repaired. Um, so... Uh, with that, I guess uh, we will sign off. Um, just to let everybody know, uh, we are on Spotify now and iHeartRadio. And our next thing is just to do YouTube. So we're on four different platforms. Podbean. And if you want to know more about Resource Center, i got to drop the... Got to drop the yes. uh, that's www.myresourcecenter.org. www.myresourcecenter.org. Are you guys hiring? Uh, yes, we are. There, there, we have a we have a variety of uh, openings. Uh, they're primarily in uh, the health and medical services. I know mm-hmm. that uh, we've got, we're we're looking for a couple different people in that area. So okay, yes. awesome. Yeah, so definitely, if you guys might be interested, uh, you're looking for that type of uh, that kind of career path, check out the Resource Center of Dallas, and um, don't forget to um, tell all your friends and family or loved ones about us as well, please. Anybody that might be um, interested in you know exploring their spirituality more and give us an email 
Um, and yeah, um, I guess that's it. So with that, I'm going to say many blessings. Thank you guys for listening, and we will uh, be back next week. Uh, I don't know the topic yet for next week, but I'm sure it will be very, very exciting. So stay tuned. Oh, and Raphael, thank you for coming, of course. Thank yes, you. absolutely. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you so much for being our first guest ever. Thank you. <laughs>